so good to see uh, each and every one of you here this morning. Uh, Justin, so I don't tell you this very often, but how much I love and appreciate you and Holly and just you guys and what they bring to our church. Isn't that unbelievable? But I tell you, more than that, more than that, and a lot of you may not know this, Justin and Holly are the same people out there as they are up here. You don't always see that in music. You just don't. In other words, the person you see here is very different than what's out there. And I tell you, we are very blessed to have such an incredible, incredible staff. And I mean that. We have an incredible group of men and women. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, Sherry and I um, are very proud to call this place our home, has been for a number of years. And I met so many visitors today, very many uh, guests today. And I know there's some of you that are visiting today. And I hope you know how important it is. We know that you have many choices when it comes to church, and you're such a blessing to us. I do want to say this. Uh, we are not a perfect people. We're not. If you're looking for a church that has it all together, go somewhere else. We're not. The only thing that draws us together is the one who does have it all together. And we're here today. Our attendance today, and if you're, if you're here for any other reason you've missed today, our reason for being here today is we don't have it all together. And we're in desperate need of the God who created you. If you are looking for the perfect church, do not join it. You will ruin it. So just understand that there is no perfect church. So, but it's a joy for me to be here. I love our pastor and our staff dearly. And um, I'm gone a lot. My wife and I have a ministry to millennials that are in the entertainment business in Hollywood. And uh, so we're gone a lot, or I'm preaching. Sam said, hey, I know you're gone a lot. I know you're not here a lot, but just remember where your tithe goes. So I just want y'all to know that came from our pastor. (laughs) Sounds just like Sam. On February the 19th, 2020, Zach Elder and some of his closest friends embarked on the trip of a lifetime to raft down the Colorado River as it snakes its way through the Grand Canyon. When they left that morning, Bernie Sanders had a double-digit lead over Joe Biden going into that night's Democratic debate in Las Vegas. The coronavirus was showing some signs of slowdown in parts of China. And when Zach Elder and his friends got back to the rafting company, the owner came out and said, hey, have you all had any conversations with anyone over the last 25 days? And they said, well, no, other than a few texts, why do you ask? The owner of the company said, well, ladies and gentlemen, in less than a month, the coronavirus has exploded. Italy is already in a lockdown. The stock market is already going down. Unemployment's going up. And schools, some, have already shut down for the year. Now, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall and seen the expressions on their face as they thought and scratched their heads, what's happened to our world in just a very short amount of time? And you know what? I don't know about you, but I also at times have wondered the very same thing. God, what in the world is going on? And what most of us have received from God during the last few years in regards to that is silence. 
silence. And so, I don't know about you, but it has caused me to ask God some questions. You do understand that since the beginning of time, humanity has always struggled with the silence of God. In other words, when God doesn't speak, sometimes it causes our emotions to trump what our minds know to be true about God. It causes us to have thoughts about God that we would not typically have. Now, you do understand, folks, it's okay to ask God a question, just like it's okay for God to remain silent. What is not okay is when you and I begin to question God. Now, some of you might ask the question, well, what's the difference? Well, when I'm asking God a question, all I'm asking for is, God, can I have some clarity? When I question God, I am confronting him, I am challenging him, I am putting myself in the driver's seat, believing that I know better than him. And we've all done it. Every single one of us in this room at times have been guilty of questioning God. You remember when your children, those of you that have children, your kids were really young? Do you remember those endless stream of questions that our little children would offer? Mommy, why is the sky blue? Daddy, where do babies come from? Mommy, if God is so big, why can't I see him? And you know what? I'm sure at times we were annoyed, but we understood that questions of a child is a part of the maturation process. But what you and I were not okay with was when our children would question us, challenge us, confront us. Now we know that there's a huge gap between little children what they know and what adults know. Although I, I will tell you, I do know some children smarter than some adults I know. We all, we all do, guarantee you. But as a general rule, most adults have a lot more experience, a lot more wisdom than a child. So it's ridiculous that a little child would question an adult because the adult knows so much more. Well, if the gap between a child and an adult is great, ladies and gentlemen, how much greater is the gap between us and God? Does that make sense? There's just some times that God chooses to remain quiet. And so this morning, I want to introduce you to a group of people who are going through a very rough season. And I know this morning in a church this size, somebody right now is suffering. Somebody right now is going through a very difficult season. I don't know who you are. God does. And so I think you're going to be able to relate with the suffering that the men and women were going through in Isaiah chapter 4 because they were living in slavery. They were living in bondage to the Babylonians. Everything that they knew in the past had been taken from them. And they cried out to God and they began to ask God questions and then they began to question God. As you're going to see in just a moment, these claim to be the children of God, but they live like practical atheists. Do you understand, ladies and gentlemen, that you can claim to be a child of God, you can claim to be a Christian, and live your life as a practical atheist, meaning you live day in and day out with little to no regard for God whatsoever? I've met many people in my lifetime 
who said they were Christians. I'm not judging them. That's not my job. But they lived like practical atheists. What that means is these people were so wrapped up in their suffering, so wrapped up in the silence of God that they began to question whether or not God really cared or saw what they were going through. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 40. And I want to begin this morning with verse 27. And I want you to look at what God says. God said, why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Now, I want you to look at the little word here for way. Do you see that? In Hebrew, that word means my condition, my, my state, where I am in life at this moment. And then they go on to say, God, my way, my condition, my state seems to be hidden from you. Meaning, God, do you even know what I'm dealing with? It's as though, God, what I'm dealing with, you're either ignorant of it or you just don't care. You ever ask God that or said something like that before? Have you? I know we're not all of that spiritual, okay? You've never questioned God before? You've never had a question for God? We all have. Every single one of us have at some point in time in our life. God, do you see these injustices? God, do you see these chains we wear? God, do you see that we are hurting in an unbelievable way? Then I want you to look at God's response, and this is very important that you don't miss this. God responds to them at the first part of verse 26. He says, lift up your eyes on high. In other words, what God is saying this morning is, listen, I see you. The problem is you don't see me. I'm looking at you. You're not looking at me. Your idolatry, your rebellion against me has caused me to hide from you. You ever woken up one day and just thought God seems like he's a million miles away? Have you ever asked yourself the question, who moved? Who moved? It's not that God moved, it's that we move. In that song, holy, holy, holy. I'm not going to sing it for you, but a part of one of the verses goes like this. Holy, holy, holy. It's the only attribute of God raised to that level. Holy, 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 though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful man thy glory may not see. My sin, Warren Samuel's sin, sometimes stops me from being able to see God and to experience a fresh touch from God. And that's what was going on here. Their idolatry and rebellion and their refusal to repent as a people and to confess their sin before God, they didn't understand why God seemed so far away from them. And so what God says here is very simple. He's saying, take your eyes off of yourself and put your eyes on me. But what's interesting to me about that as you're going to see here in just a moment, before God was going to talk to them about them, God wanted first to talk to them about himself. 
Now, there's somebody in this room that probably thinks that sounds a little arrogant. God wants to talk about himself? That's arrogant. Well, it would be for anybody but God, right? In other words, who should be more foremost on the mind of God than God? Who? Me? No. Satan? No. The world that we live in? No. Because here's what God knows, and this is so important. When you're going through a silent season and you're suffering greatly, a crisis of all crises, joy is not found in getting answers, folks. Joy is found in getting God. Do you understand that? It's not found in answers. It is found in getting God. It is true that you and I have to, foc- we have to function on planet Earth until we draw our last breath. Right? You all got that down? We're all living here until we draw our last breath. But do you understand the place that you're living today is Satan's domain? There are not two kingdoms, a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. There is a kingdom of light and a domain of darkness. You and I happen to be living right now in a domain of darkness. God, the Father, has allowed him for a season to have reign on this earth. Now, all the time, I have people say, well, if there's a God, why is there so much suffering? Why is there so much pain? Why is there so much heartache? And people ask that question because they assume there are only two characters on the stage of life, God and us. But the reality is that there are three characters on the stage of life. There is God, there is us, and there is Satan. And he is absolutely wreaking havoc on humanity today. He's wreaking havoc on this land today. And everybody in this room knows it. Now, we may disagree as to what's causing it, but we know things aren't right. Paul talks about it in Romans 1. He says the entire earth groans. It groans because we are living in a fallen, broken world. So here's what I want you to see. This is critical. You and I have to focus on Satan's domain, right? You got that part? Shake your head like this. I just need to know you're awake. Yes. But while it is true we have to function here, we don't have to focus here. Do you understand? If I were to ask you today, what is stressing you out? What's causing you pain? Where's your greatest heartache coming from? I guarantee you most of you are going to say, because of something going on in Satan's domain. Because up in the heavenlies, in the spiritual realm, nobody's freaking out up there. That's why Jesus said, may thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Nobody's freaked out in heaven or in the heavenly realm because God is there and in control and nobody's freaked out about that. So understand exactly what he is attempting to say to us. He's saying this in your home. If you're really, really comfortable here on earth, And this is not a judgment statement at all. It's simply a question. If you're really comfortable here on earth, you have to ask yourself the question, is it possible heaven is not my eternal home? My grandmother, we used to go see her every summer. We'd stay for two weeks. We'd fish eight to ten hours a day. It was the greatest vacation in the world. Loved it. 
And she'd tuck us in bed at night. I was six, my brother was three, and she used to go, oh, boys, I'm so ready to go home. I just don't enjoy being on this earth anymore. And I used to go, Grandma, what's wrong with you? This world's awesome. Well, Memo's been dead for a long time, but now I get it. She saw something decades ago that I didn't see as a six, seven, eight-year-old boy. Then here's what God says, and this is very important. Then God says, look at the one that created the stars, the one who leads forth their hosts by number. He calls them by name. And because of the greatness of his might, the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. So God said, while you're up here looking at me, I want you to notice these stars. He said, you guys understand that I made them? Every single one of them I made. And not only did I I make them, but I named them. And every single one of them stays where they are because of me. You know, I read two weeks ago, it blew me away. I'm still trying to get my brain around it. And I'm sure some of you will go home and try to Google it and find out if it's true. But astronomers tell us that there are approximately 10,000 stars for every grain of sand on the face of the earth. Does that soak into you? 10,000 stars for every grain of sand. Did you know if you were going to spend, tomorrow, we're just going to wake up, we're going to start counting the stars. We were just going to count the stars in our galaxy. Just our galaxy. Do you know how long it would take us to to number all those stars and and to count them out? 3,000 years. 3,000 years. So what God is telling his children, listen, I am powerful enough to make those billions and billions and billions of stars, but I'm also personal enough to give them a name. And guess what? Not one of them falls unless I say so. I'm powerful enough to make. I'm personal enough to keep them in place. You ever wonder why God is so faithful to us? How many of you believe it's because you're very faithful to him? I'll ask again. How many of you realize that God is faithful to you? Can I see some sort of head movement? Okay, how many of you believe it's based on your faithfulness to him? Well, if that's the answer you chose, that's the incorrect answer because praise God, his faithfulness to Warren Samuels is not dependent upon Warren Samuels' faithfulness to him. Do you know why God is faithful to us? Two reasons. Number one, he's promised to be faithful, but number two, for the glory of his name. He's not faithful to Warren for the glory of Warren's name. He is faithful to Warren Samuels so that Warren Samuels would glorify him with my life. It's the same way with you. Please understand that it is the character of God that is the basis of the faithfulness of God, not our conduct. Because if God's faithfulness were dependent on our conduct, we'd be in deep, deep, deep yogurt. And we all know it. And then in verse 28, what he does is he elaborates a little bit more on himself. In verse 28, he says, Do you not know, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not grow weary or tired, and his understanding is inscrutable? What's God doing, folks? This is so important for us to get. I'm telling you, it's so important. 
What he's saying is, when you're in a crisis, when I've gone silent on you, you run to my character and you rest in my sufficiency. That's what he's saying. You run to my character and you rest in my sufficiency. What do you mean? The sufficiency of God is the adequacy of God's provision. And as Isaiah said, God's provision cannot be exhausted. I love my grandchildren. I spend an hour with them. I'm rejuvenated. Anything more than an hour, and I feel like the age that I am. But God's not that way. His provision for you, his adequacy, his sufficiency does not become exhausted or dry. Many names for God. One of them is El Shaddai, which simply means the sustainer. Folks, whether you want to believe this or not, the only one that can sustain you in the midst of a crisis is God. Your spouse can't sustain you. Your children can't sustain you. Your friends can't sustain you. There is no other sustainer but him. And the quicker some of you learn that, some of you are disappointed because you're putting your hope and your trust in people. You understand that every human relationship you have is either going to die or disappoint you? Every single one. So it can't be people that are a sustainer. God is trying to point them back to the fact that he is their sustainer. He says, I'm everlasting. I'm your creator, and I understand you. I'm all-powerful. I'm all-knowing. I'm eternal. And oh, by the way, I get you. Somebody in this room doesn't feel like anybody gets them. You feel like your spouse doesn't get you, your kids don't get you, your classmates don't get you, your coworkers don't get you. God gets you. Do you want to know why God gets you? Because he created you in his image. If you look at that phrase, in his image, the word in has many meanings in English. But one of the meanings is as. We could translate that, that God created us. Don't miss this. This is very, very important. You're going to need this at some point in time this year. God has created you and me as his imagers. Do you understand at the moment of conception, God placed upon you the status of imager? You didn't, you didn't earn it. It was not based on your ability because I've heard people in our culture all the time say, well, it's okay to take a life of an unborn baby. They can't reason. They can't think. They can't fill in the blank. Do you understand that this whole phrase, imager, has nothing to do with humans' beings' ability? But it has everything to do with a status that God bestowed upon you and me when we were conceived? Jeremiah put it best. He said, before I was placed in my mother's womb, God, you knew me, you connected me, consecrated me, appointed me to a specific task. Folks, the God who made you and hopefully redeemed you gets you because he created you as his imager. Before you took a breath on planet Earth, based not upon ability, but based 
upon a status. So there's only one place to run. When God is silent, we run to the character of God. We run to the sufficiency of God. Why? Because who God is always determines what God does. And everything God does is in light of what God knows. Did you hear me? Everything God does is in light of who God is. And everything that God allows is based on what God already knows. Anybody in here ever had something happen in your life you didn't get? Anybody in here ever had something happen in your life you didn't like? Right. Hey, guys up here, middle school, I want you to look. I'm fixing to ask them a question, and I want you to see the response. Because you've all got dreams and plans up here. I know you do. How many of you out here in the audience would say that life looks very different today than you thought it would at 17? Can I see your hand? Look at that. What a shock. John Lennon of the Beatles said it best. It's the only thing John Lennon ever said. I could quote from the pulpit, but he said, he said, life is what happens to you when you're making other plans, right? We all had plans, we all had dreams, but life has a way of throwing us a curveball. But we rest in our view of God. Tony Evans said it best, I love this. Tony Evans said, if your view of God is high, when you have a crisis, you're gonna be comforted in your crisis. Doesn't mean it's easy, doesn't mean you're gonna like it, doesn't mean it's enjoyable, but he said, if your view of God is high, then guess what? You'll find comfort. But if your view of God is low, he said you'll be crushed. Crushed. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're going through a crisis, but I guarantee if I did, I think there'd be hands going up everywhere. Are you supernaturally right now experiencing comfort, or is this thing you're dealing with crushing you to the very core of your being? The question is, what's your view of God? So once I run to God, I run to the sufficiency of God. Because of the silence of God, what can I expect? Look at verse 31. I'll finish with this. He said, those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. Well, what's he saying? Well, before I look at what he's saying, what's he not saying? What he's not saying is, you should be lazy. You should twiddle your thumbs. You should not be engaged. He's not advocating for laziness. The word that is used here is the word kavwah, the Hebrew word kavwah. And the word kavwah is not a passive word in Hebrew, it's an active word in Hebrew. Okay, what does that mean? Glad you asked. I'll explain. Figuratively, it means to braid your hair. To braid your hair. Now, there's some women in this room, I'm certain, there may be a man or two in this room, you braid your hair. Obviously, I, I cannot relate with that at all. In fact, my wife looked at me yesterday, my precious bride, and she went, you're not going to church tomorrow without a haircut, okay? She said, you just not. So I got a haircut. But, so I can't relate with braiding hair and so forth. But this is what I'm told, because I've got three daughters and a wife, which makes me a minority in a sorority. So I know a lot about female stuff. 
the cost of a small bag at Sephora in terms of, ma- I know all about that. <laughs> Robbery, they should wear a mask at Sephora anytime you check out. It's, it's theft. Anyway, look, if you work for Sephora, don't write me a nasty text, email. But I'm told that when a woman puts hair extensions in her hair, a man puts hair extensions in her hair, she's doing it to strengthen her hair, right? In other words, her hair being intertwined with synthetic hair is actually strengthening her own hair. When you and I rest in the sufficiency of God, that place and only that place is where you and I find the strength to continue to honor God with our lives. In other words, it's in the sufficiency of God as the place where the silence of God meets the strength of God. That makes sense? Only resting in his sufficiency does the silence of God become the strength of God in our lives. So, those who are being renewed, who are strengthened in a crisis, they are the one whose lives are intertwined with God. To live victoriously means I have to be connected every day with God. Every morning, you can ask my wife, every morning, I'm up at five o'clock, usually, sometimes 5.15. I grab my dog and we go for an hour and a half walk. It's, it's a daily ritual. And it's the most precious time of my day because it's my time with God. That time of the morning, I can sing. I'm not going to offend anybody. I can talk to God out loud. I can talk about how great that moon is that I see. It's amazing. If you're not a morning person, you really do miss a lot of things going on early, early in the morning. I love it. I wouldn't trade for it. If you're only going to intertwine yourself with God one day a week, you're going to miss out. Jesus said it in another way in John chapter 15. He said, I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. It's interesting that in seven verses, ten times Jesus says in John 15, 1 through 7, abide in me. Now, we don't know exactly what the word abide means because Jesus does not explain it, but he does illustrate it. And the illustration is a branch and vines that have been pulled apart, separated. We know what happens to a branch when it separates itself from the vine, right? It dies. So understand he's talking about this connectedness to God that is critical if we were to be the men and women that God's created us to be. We have to have that connection. And he talks about this branch, Do you understand that there was a time in history with Adam and Eve that Adam and Eve were connected, they were intertwined with God, and then all of a sudden they rebelled against God, and there was a great gap between God and themselves. Do you know what happened? They tried many ways to bridge the gap. It could not be bridged. The reason Jesus had to die is because we, the branches, are disconnected from the vine. And what God did was he used a knife because the word abide can also mean to graft. When you graft something, you make two cuts. You cut the branch, you cut the vine. The knife that God the Father used on God the Son was a sacrificial knife. 
in the form of a Roman cross where Jesus Christ laid down his life to bridge the gap between the branch and the vine. It's impossible, ladies and gentlemen, to abide in our Father apart from the atoning work of Jesus at Calvary. There is no other way. There is no other way. You say, well, that sounds a little, I don't know, arrogant? You don't sound very tolerant? I didn't make this up. I didn't say that. He did. It's not my words. They're his words. So what I'd like to try to do is illustrate a little bit different. You know, there's nothing like a cold night. We're not going to have one of those for a long time here. But there's nothing like a cold night and a really hot cup of tea. So I'll go and I'll fill this with water and we'll heat it up. And what I will do is, because I love strong tea, I just take the bag and I just drop it in for a long time. I love strong tea. In fact, as I'm looking, I'm noticing that the tea is permeating every single aspect of my cup, right? But some of you don't like strong tea, and that's okay. And so for those who don't like strong tea, I would refer to you as a dipper. So let me, I'm not trying to be ugly, I'm just stating um, your dippers. Well, what does that mean? Well, you know, you've got your hot water, and here's your tea bag, and you dip. Uh, I don't think it's quite strong enough, and you dip again. And you dip again. And you dip again until finally it's the consistency that you want. Is it okay to be a tea dipper? Well, of course it is. But if you carry your dipping ways into your spiritual life, you're in trouble. So what do you mean? Well, here's what I mean. A lot of people do this. Oh, I'm just going to dip into church today. I think I'll just dip in by throwing a 20 in the offering plate. I think I'll just dip into a few pages of Scripture. I think I'll just dip into a little rehearsed prayer. Dippers. But you know what's frightening about a dipper? Dippers are the very first ones who question God and challenge God when God doesn't do what they think he should. Do you know why? Because they don't sit and allow his sufficiency to permeate their life, his word to permeate their life, their communication and prayer to permeate their life. You cannot, you can't live in victory as a dipper. You can't. I'm just telling you. I've been doing this now for a long, long time. You have to take time to allow him every day to permeate every aspect of your life. Because dipping doesn't cut it. Would you pray? Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word. It is true. We know it to be true. And I just pray that you take the time as we enter into this time of Lord's Supper to remember the incredible price that was paid for our souls. And I pray today, oh God, that we would pursue you until you permeate every aspect of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.